Relationships can be challenging, especially when it comes to changing roles in pre-existing relationships. While some relationships are just like plants and just need to be watered every now and again, some instances call for a repotting. You need deliverance! Warning. Thinking too much is dangerous. Symptoms include existential crisis, what you talking over here? learning new things, what you talking? knowing when you're wrong, and becoming a kinder, calmer, more Christ-like person concerning life and church. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Concerning Life and Church podcast. We talk about relationships, life, the Bible, church, electrocute heretics, and try not to be offended by everything. And I wanted to catch this on the front end in case people don't listen through until the very end. If you have a question or something that you think could be a good episode, or if you just want to tell me something wrong that I should stop, email me at concerninglifeandchurch at gmail.com. And today we have a subject uh, that is actually from somebody that I know several months ago. Um, as I was kind of getting the ball rolling, I actually went on Facebook and I just requested from my friends that they could uh, send me something they've observed or maybe something they've been going through that could be beneficial for everyone to talk about just to get the gears turning in the podcast. Uh, and first of all, I wanted to thank her for sending this, and I want to apologize that I'm only getting to do it now because this was actually a few months ago. Um, and this is actually a really brave topic to step into, and I think that um, our culture has a really hard time with vulnerability. Uh, I think everyone seems to feel the weight of an expectation to be really strong and self-sufficient and really have our crap together all the time. Uh, not to say the exact opposite of that uh, is a good thing either, but uh, – I think that pretending to be strong and neglecting to be vulnerable when we need to um, and when we should uh, be vulnerable and admit that we don't have uh, it together all the time can rob ourselves and the people around us of an improved version of ourselves. Uh, I think sometimes the best thing we can do is allow ourselves to take the time and the space we need to prioritize figuring things out because unresolved emotions and repressed uh, insecurities can be the most damaging thing over time because in a way they hold a part of our soul back from becoming what we could be. Um, if you want to be metaphorical, if you have a bodybuilder, if you, if, if you want to be a bodybuilder in your field, whether uh, that be as a mother or as a friend or as an employee, you don't just kind of arrive at being this awesome thing all of a sudden. First, you need to commit to the effort and then sacrifice the time in the now for the sake of the future. Like also, uh, if, if you have like a young child, you wouldn't allow them to be who they currently are for forever. Although we do enjoy kids and, you know, like not to say if a kid is doing something that a kid is just going to do, you're not going to hold them by the shoulders and be like, hey, listen up, man. But in the future, the ideal picture of an adult person isn't someone who is never disciplined to learn how to live like an adult, like use the toilet and they never learn to uh, not hit and they throw tantrums over things Uh you know, like we see on Facebook, uh, I'm not a woman, I don't have any kids, but the memes where they have toddlers just with tears streaming down their faces and their faces are beet red, uh, actually sometimes crack me up. There's one I saw, it says, uh, someone ate all the muffins. It was him. And there's just this little kid just absolutely bawling. 
Uh, another one says, she, uh, she dropped through a seat we got from the gas station. Uh, and then my favorite is probably just says, we had to flush his poops down the toilet, but he wanted to keep them. Um, and I think it's funny because we think, oh, how, you know, how silly is there, you know, the way, you know, like what this kid believes, what they think. But we have grace for that because uh, they're being a child. They're being a kid. Kids are wonderful, but we don't want them to stay that way. We don't want to stay, have them be in their adult life where they end up not flushing any of their poops and just keep all of them. And I think that uh, love doesn't unconditionally accept people just as they are because that can deprive them of a better future tomorrow. And how much better could the future be if you were better? Uh, and so one thing I want to establish is let's admit that we are imperfect where we are, maybe even weak and pathetic, and that's okay, but it's not okay to stay there forever. So let's hold ourselves to a higher standard and encourage each other moving forward with grace. And so uh, moving along, uh, I think this is a great thing to talk about. I think it's really down to earth, and I think it's something that a lot of people probably deal with at one point or another. Um, she wasn't specific on whether she wanted me to be confidential in it, but I'm just going to call her MoJ. And so she says, uh, One thing that is concerning a current life situation I've been dealing with has been trying to balance boundaries with grace. For example, I've set some pretty harsh boundaries with my parents lately. My dad took it to heart and is trying to change, but my mom took offense, which has me on the defense. But we are given grace and forgiveness and are called to extend that. And I'm having a hard time knowing how to balance that in a healthy way without compromising the boundaries that I've set. And uh, first of all, I just want to say that I'm sorry this is something that you're having to go through. Um, I know your parents are divorced, and I don't know from firsthand experience, but I've seen how much that can complicate relationships with their kids. Um, and I've also seen that a lot of that doesn't just go away after the kids are grown up. And so I'm sorry if that's something that's a tension that you're having to live with. Uh, and for those of you that maybe don't know what the term boundaries refers to. It's when essentially you need to draw a clear line with someone and say, hey, this is my life uh, with you. This is how much you're allowed to have of me. And then this is the portion of my life that you currently, uh, I'm not allowing you to be a part of. So this is where uh, I begin and this is where you end. And so an example of that might be uh, you're in school or college or whatever, and you have a uh, best friend, we'll call him Teddy. Teddy is not taking school at all seriously. You're trying to study, and he's always breaking down your door because he wants to go disc golfing and antiquing with you, but you're trying to study. So you have to say, Teddy, I love you, but this frothing antiquing bender has gone too far, and it's going to make me fail college success. From now on, I can only throw rubber on Saturdays. Right? So it has a lot to do with expectations of a relationship. And sometimes the reason why you need to kind of, um, I mean, I guess you could say renegotiate the terms of a relationship uh, is because perhaps what the other person is currently contributing to your life um, is not a positive contribution. Uh, and all joking aside, this is a really hard part of relationships. It's, it, it, 
it usually feels like and sometimes is uh, a drastic step. It has a lot to do with self-respect and self-preservation uh, because if you allow someone else's unhealthiness to just run rampant, uncontrolled all over your own life, it's going to take your quality of life and the quality of life of the people who rely on you down with it. And so what boundaries look like is based on the type of damage and the type of relationship, I would say. Uh, it is like boundaries can really look like anything, and it really is a situation-by-situation situation basis. I mean, it would look completely different for someone that maybe, uh, like I said before, if you have a friend that just wants your attention, wants your attention, is just so needy that it's keeping you from living your life in any productive way outside of spending time with them, that person might not know that they are doing something that is uh, intruding on your quality of life and intruding on the type of life you want to live. But if you have someone who you're in a relationship with who maybe is angry, and so it maybe what they're putting in your life is malicious and that's intentional, the boundary is going to look a little different there on either of those two situations. Um, but I think that's something that can happen is that uh, the thing is, is that sometimes someone can unknowingly do as much damage as the person who intends uh, to cause harm or cause pain or cause hurt. Um, and so really what that conversation can sometimes look like is when you're meeting with someone and you're sitting down or, uh, I mean, I would say if you're going to have this type of conversation, don't try your best not to text maybe a long form email or something like that. I don't know. Again, I, I think it depends on the type of relationship you have with the person. Um, when someone is presented with something like that, they can do, typically they have two choices. They can either own it or they can defer the blame, uh, I think we all know someone who is just always angry at some person or angry at some business or the government or the world uh, maybe is to blame for their life being the way it is. Not to say there aren't people who just have bad luck. I think that some people definitely experience a lot of hell in their life uh, and it has nothing to do with their own personal choices. But I think it's interesting that even in those situations, uh, shaking your fist at the person to blame or God, maybe if you think he's to blame and then stop taking ownership and responsibility of whatever we do have control over in the situation uh, tends to lead to the same outcome. And that's anger, uh, bitterness, and hatred uh, because you feel like you've been made an absolute victim. It's almost like arrested development. A part of you stays at that same level of maturity as far as that situation is concerned. And I think you can see if someone has made a pattern of that in their life, if that's spread over a long area, uh, you can see how that would contribute to a person as a whole, just kind of emotionally, spiritually staying where they are at because any deficits they see in themselves, it's always someone else's fault. It was always, oh, they said this or this happened to me and this is the way things are and the bill never seems to stop with them. I think... Everyone, to a limiting degree, but I think that everyone leans towards that. I would say that that is probably people's uh, neutral setting. Um, and I think that a part of that is self-defense because it is painful uh, when something is our own fault. 
and that perhaps in our current life situation, maybe it could be better if we were better back then when the events that led us to where we are today. Maybe if we were better as that was happening. That's what I'm trying to say. And in your uh, email, I said you you said that your dad took it to heart. Uh, you said he took to heart about what you said uh, and that he was putting more thoughtful effort into what he was bringing to the table, and I think that's awesome. Uh, I wouldn't say expect perfection immediately, or I guess not ever, but maybe don't allow your expectations to be blown out of proportion because you might find that something happens that you will be disappointed by. Um, but try to have grace for your dad. I don't know the specifics of the situation or what type of relationship you have with him or what the boundaries looked like, um, but it could be that him meeting the expectation that you kind of presented with the boundaries could be a drastic life change and that he might have to cover a lot of ground and a lot of habits to break in order to get to that point. I can say from my own experience, um, it hurts to come to terms with the fact that a lot of interrelational issues I've had throughout my life were my own fault. It just made me go back and take uh, a personal inventory of every conversation I could remember that I've had and think about how it might have been different had I been better at loving that person where they were at or um, I was better at articulating the way I felt about something or uh, maybe I intentionally hurt someone because I was angry or frustrated and I somehow thought you know, at the time that was the right thing to do, which it never is. Um, it can become a really daunting task uh, and that kind of stuff even still keeps me up a lot of times. If you're a type of person like me, um, I usually try to think of it as a process. I try to look at the situation and try to understand it as best I can. And then I think about what I could have done better, look for how I can take that and implement it in my life moving forward, and then work towards forgiving myself and having grace for myself in the now, because that was back then. And I now know here in the current moment that I'm the type of person who knows that that's not okay, and I won't do it again. Um, and I think that one of the best things we can do for people is encourage them when we see them heading in the right direction. That is hard to do, and that does not come naturally. I think a big part of that is culturally, I feel like we seem to have an expectation that excellence is something that we can just take for granted. But I don't know that I would say that's a super realistic expectation to have, Uh and if it was, I would say that a lot of us would be in a better state than we are now, frankly. <laughs> and uh, I think encouraging someone and saying you're proud of them doesn't mean you have to have nothing but positive feelings for them or for the situation either. I mean, if someone's a real grouch and that's been affecting my quality of life and my attitude and then suddenly they start to head in the right direction, what I would want to say might be justified in me saying, I could say, wow, you're a little less horrible to be around today. God does do miracles. Uh, that, that would feel good for me to say that to the person, but obviously that wouldn't be a good thing for them to hear, even though it might be the truth. Uh, if instead I said something like, uh, you know, you seem happier today, and I'm glad to see that because that's how I like you the best. 
that's going to be encouraging them. Uh, and that's going to help pull them farther out of the less than desirable state that they've been in. And that is much easier said than done. I cannot stress this. It is really, really hard to deny ourselves of what we want to say and instead say something that we know will actually contribute to good things happening in the situation as a whole. Um, one thing I've found in that is that it's just one of those things that you sometimes just kind of have to step into and just do. But when that happens, it diffuses conflict. Uh, like if you're married, if you're talking with your spouse, if you deny yourself what you want to be saying and then think uh, this is just something you're going to have to work through cognitively, right? Because your emotions are not going to be pushing you towards the right direction here. You're just going to have to think, what's the right thing I could be saying? And then you say that even if it's through your gritted teeth, like, no, I'm thankful you told me, uh, you know, I'm thankful you reminded me that this still needs to be done. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that's broad, but um, that is really important with relationships denying ourselves the satisfaction of a really uh, well-placed slapback uh, is what they call those to try to work towards a better solution. And again, I don't know the situation that's between you and your dad. It could be that he really needs to hear something like, dad, I want you to know that there's still some things that are unresolved for me in our relationship, but I'm happy that you heard me out. And I'm happy that I see things moving because I love you and I do want you to be a more significant and more meaningful part of my life and my family's life. I don't think there's anything that encourages people to put the hard work in, like painting a clear picture of a goal. So allow yourself to feel a little excited if you see good things happening. I've found... Uh, in people, mainly for myself, but in a few people I've seen too, and that I've kind of worked through uh, some things with. Once the the I call it the sweater of pride. Once the first thread has been pulled, um, as long as they keep thinking about it and they stay on the treadmill and they take, you know, as I said, the interpersonal uh, inventory, the whole thing just kind of falls apart, and it can really pick up some momentum. Um, but also have some grace for your dad because it might be really, really hard. And it could be right now, uh, maybe you don't even want your dad to be a larger part of your life at all. Maybe you feel like you're just kind of done. But I would say don't rule it out because it could be that in a few years or sooner that your relationship with your dad and the emotions you have for your dad could look and feel a lot different because he could be a different person. And uh, moving on to what you said about your mom, it didn't sound like she received that as well, and I know that's the last thing we want to have happen when we're trying to talk to people about these types of things. Um, and so I'm probably going to have to talk about this a little bit more broadly because there's a lot more ways to do something wrong than there is to do something right. And uh, first, I would say be be super clear in what the actual boundary is that you're setting. Uh, be direct so there isn't anything that's left to interpretation. Um, I don't know the current situation, but it could be something like, uh, 
only talking on the phone once a week or only visiting on holidays or something like that. Uh, but whatever it is, be very clear, be very concise, almost like try to structure it in a way that something that if she's like, oh, I want to do this, but let me like go back to this text message or this email or something like that so that maybe she could uh, you know, just have something to refer back to. Second thing is I would draw your line in the sand and then stick to your guns and don't apologize unless you feel like you've actually done something wrong. If there was a breach in the boundary that was set and the expectation that was set, uh, I'm just going to speak broadly. If, if a person is showing a blatant disregard for the fact that you are limiting their presence or their influence in your life, whether that be uh, emotional or physical, you need to call it out and call it out in a stern, in-control way. Try your best to not let that conversation be a conversation where your emotions are speaking for you. It should be addressed. It should be dealt with. And how to care for yourself in this situation, I would say uh, no one can stake a claim on your life except for you. You do not owe anyone anything, period. If you feel you are making the right decision to lay down boundaries, then you have every right to make that decision. I know sometimes for parents relationally, this can be murky water to maneuver. Uh, I remember having one or two conversations with my parents about how they felt their role was changing in my life and the life that I was making with my wife. Um, I was graduating from college and getting married uh, two weeks apart from each other, and I could kind of see my parents starting to figure it out for themselves a little bit. I was the first one of their kids to get married, so that was all really uncharted territory. Um, I'm very thankful for my mom. I love my mom. I remember her saying to me something along the lines of, um, I'm realizing that my the right role for me to play is not necessarily to be your parent anymore. It's to be an encourager, a helper, and a friend. But I really hope you let me parent you. When you change from a child to an adult, you are allowed to choose whether or not you give your parents the right to speak in your life because you're an adult and it's your life now. Um, so it could be that your life has moved moved on. You've grown up. You've moved out. You're your own person. You have your own family to worry about. And your mom is still under the impression that she still has the authority to tell you what to do like you're a little kid still or something like that. Um, so in other words, maybe she's trying to speak in your life and trying to parent you because she doesn't realize that at this point that's something that has to be earned. Secondly, I would say it's not your job to fix people. It's not your job to sustain people either. Uh, I think a lot of women have a strong tendency and a desire to nurture and to kind of help people out. I think that's a huge part of uh, that tendency is a huge part of, you know, raising kids. But 
sometimes that can cross over into other areas of life and can turn into something like a person onloading themselves with the burden of trying to fix people and believing that they're responsible for keeping something together and making something happen when in reality they're just not. I believe that it's our job to offer people a helping hand and make sure people are aware that it's there. Uh, but I would say it's not our job to keep holding on if the person seems to be relying solely on us to put them all back together and to pull them back up. And I would say, thirdly, have grace for yourself. If something happens and something goes wrong, uh, no, it wasn't because you did something wrong. It's because you were trying to do the right thing. And maybe you did that imperfectly. I think that's okay. I think there's a real difference between the two. If you go into a situation with an honest heart and you make the decisions as best you can in the moment and something still goes wrong, it's okay. Uh, I found two Bible verses that can get us headed in a much better direction when it comes to our own conduct of dealing with people. Um, and please know I'm not I'm I'm not assuming that you specifically need to hear these or whatever because they're kind of like correctional Bible verses, but they're important to me. Um, I'm just saying this because they address really just people's natural tendencies and how negative that can be. And I think that they're so natural that these were actually the standard back in the day when they were written. Uh, and so. First one is Ephesians chapter four twenty nine. It says, "Do not let any uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up and according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen." Some people are going to disagree with this. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> a really popular thing. Uh, Ooh, getting hoarse in my coffee. Warning. Accidental ASMR alert. Mm, okay. A really popular thing that I see, uh, and this is men and women, uh, but, you know, like someone's going to call their one girlfriend or whatever and just talk about this other person or a situation and just spew absolute poison about something or someone and then they just giggle and they're like, Tee, oh, thank you so much for letting me vent. And uh, I think the only thing explaining our bad situations in a hateful, ugh, poisonous way does is uh, enhance our ability to effectively, more effectively hate the situation or the person because we get better at articulating our own narrative. You know what I mean? If we're venting to someone, um, all we're doing is expressing our hate. That's not very conducive to working through hate. And if you're so angry and enraged by a person or a situation that you need to, you know, in, in quote fingers, vent in order to stop yourself from blowing it up, then I think you've got bigger problems here, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have a good way of telling someone how to fix this because I think that everyone's brain works differently in processing things. But I know there's a way to talk about someone we're angry about without speaking about it out of anger, if that makes sense. Where I believe we can become effective in articulating 
a situation that we are righteously passionate about, but more so do it in a way that's just outlining the situation rather than perpetuating the negative feelings or emotions that we have. Uh, the other Bible verse is Proverbs 10, verse 12. It says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. When people hurt us, whether that be in an instant or um, I think like in most relationships, uh, whether that be from maybe someone isn't being who they should be for us over a long term, that hurts us. I think the easy way to heal that is to plug it up like a bleeding wound, but plug it up with hate and anger. And those are emotions that are justified in the situation because we have been wronged, but it doesn't heal. You know what I mean? It, it, it it makes us numb to the issue and then it just kind of festers over time and it can become a lot worse. The thing is, is that we serve a God who took the rational way of thinking about right and wrong and justice and really kind of flipped it upside down. I don't know what it would look like for you to um, love your parents right now. And I have no idea where you are in the process of that, not just the way you feel about them, but what you're bringing to the table. Are you bringing uh, maybe apathy or real intentional care? Um, But I think a great place to start would be to try to forgive them even if they never reach the point where they'll be able to meet your expectation of maybe who you want them to be as parents uh, and now a grandma and grandpa. Um, And even if they never take full ownership of the situation or even willing to apologize, and forgiveness in those circumstances is extremely difficult. This is extreme forgiveness. Um, but I think that this is real forgiveness in a type of biblical sense. I believe that the way you can kind of tell that that's happening, uh, you, you won't feel, you know, you won't feel like you've earned a badge after you really forgive someone. You're not going to like feel a sense of self-empowerment or accomplishment. Um, I think instead you're just going to kind of feel like this weight has been lifted in your heart um, over that area, and you'll just feel at peace. Uh, That tends to be a process. I don't think it's going to happen all at once, but I think you'll find that you'll realize all at once when it has happened. And I really hope that things go well for you in your situation. I hope you can find a new beat. in your relationship with your parents and then it turns into something that is enjoyable and life-giving and I'm going to be praying for you and your little family because I love you guys so much. So if you, dear listener, have something you've been thinking, observing, or feeling uh, that a conversation about could potentially help other people in, um, feel free to email me at concerninglifeandchurch at gmail.com. Again, that's concerning life and church at gmail.com. No spaces or anything fancy at all. Um, and I really hope you do that because, frankly, the format of the show relies on people writing into me. So please strongly consider dropping me a line. Uh, 
But right now, before you forget, think of a person who you've not thought of for a while and shoot them an encouraging text message and let them know you care about them and ask them if they have anything you could be praying for in a non-threatening or creepy way. So with all that being said, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you.